You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live, AEW Saturday Night Dynamite Podcast for Wrestling Inc. I am Alfred Kunawa, the African Blackhawk himself, joined by our returning champion, NYC Demon Diva, Issa. What's going on, Issa? It's Saturday. What's going on? You tell me. I love the strong wife back there. Looks like I'm missing out on a party with you and Roman. Yeah, he's actually, you know where he's at. He's behind me sleeping, so. He is not. It's not much of a party. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I can get used to watching wrestling on a Saturday. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it is a little nicer. I like that break on a Wednesday because it goes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you know I have to wait till Thursday to kind of get that break. But uh, the Wednesday break was really nice this past couple of weeks. Yeah, but it throws off your entire schedule. Yeah, yeah. Though I do love doing the show with Justin. It's a fun show as well. Just uh, wow, uh, like you I like Justin more than me? No, no. I was gonna say, like, wow. I like doing it with the whole family. I'm a magnanimous man, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Expose. I see how it is. <laughs> no, no. This is the A team, Lisa. Everybody knows that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, before we move forward, I do want to kind of touch on a little more serious news about Lance Archer. He took a very scary bump. We'll get into it when we're talking about the review, the moonsault. It looks like he was able to walk back on his own power. So um, yes. if you guys hear anything in the chat, keep us updated. Really, our, our prayers, my thoughts are with uh, Lance Archer. You know, ever since that happened, I was kind of uh, taken a little bit out of that show. So very yes. scary bump he took in his match against Eddie Kingston, which had to end uh, shortly after Isa. Oh, and they kept replaying it too. I was like, I don't, I don't need to see it. I saw it the first time, and it looked nasty. Stop the replays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did when they said the replay. I didn't even look at it. I can't. I'm pretty squeamish when it comes to those types of injuries. But it had yeah. like Brock Lesnar vibes. I remember it took. I remember watching WrestleMania 19 with my friends at uh, my buddy's house, my buddy Tyrell's house. Yes. And, uh, Brock Lesnar when he did that moonsault, like I kind of came outside of my body, and I had that same exact kind of deja vu feeling, just watching in slow motion. Lance Archer take that very scary muscle. Yeah, did you watch? Did you ever read his book? Because he spoke about planning that bump, and he never wanted to do it to begin with. It's it's actually quite interesting um, chapter on in his book when he talks about what happened that night. 
Very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, prayers and thoughts with uh, Lance Archer. Uh, before we get into the show, we had a, a weekend full of news. It's a very busy news day for a Saturday, which I'm not used to in pro wrestling. And oh, Issa, we're going to start. The streets are talking, Issa. The streets oh. are talking. The Fast Nationals came out this morning. I was woken up with a text from the streets of Inglewood, California. They said, Big Alfred, we got the Fast Nationals. They said, we got the 18 to 49. Said, you didn't misplace them. They said, no, 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 no. That was mechanical errors last week. We got them 18 to 49 for you. And it looks like SmackDown <laughs> doubled up Rampage in 18 to 39. Now, usually I read this from a laptop, but I'm going to read from the streets themselves. So it's authentic. So we all get that same street experience. So you wow. guys know what I feel. Uh, it looks like SmackDown total overnight viewership, by the way. So this is going to update probably more viewership on Monday SmackDown with two Point one million uh, and six eighty four thousand in the eighteen to forty nine, whereas Rampage five fifteen thousand with two seventy two in the eighteen to forty nine. So SmackDown back on Fox looks like maybe it'll do in the neighborhood of two point three million, whereas Rampage looks like maybe I don't know uh, five thirty five five forty. Who knows? But it looks like a numbers kind of back to normal for both companies uh, based on what they've been doing recently. Isa. Yeah, I mean, SmackDown did announce a pretty big show, so I expected it to do good numbers, especially with them talking about the new era. Not that it felt like a new era, but they, they kind of hyped that up, you know? Uh, Rampage, yeah, it sounds back to normal. We'll see what the final numbers are, but they're usually pretty close to to what it is, you know, to what we're seeing from the streets. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll wait until Monday and see what the final numbers are, but overall, not shocked by these figures. Everything is back to normal. Last Friday, didn't feel like a competition to me. I like the banter going back and forward, but SmackDown being on Fox just doesn't feel like a fair, you know, shot. Yeah, and we'll see because another news story coming out on Monday is the Saturday Night Wars as WWE's <laughs> latest counter-programming effort was to yes. air a rerun of SmackDown head-to-head with tonight's AEW Dynamite. Very interested to see how that affected viewership. Of course, tonight might have been uh, an extra game between the Astros and the Red Sox, but the Astros took care of that last night. And uh, so now there's that extra space. And Fox, you know that this is Fox's idea just as much as WWE uh, in terms of airing SmackDown head-to-head with Rampage. What do you think about that move, Issa? Do you think that's going to have an impact on AEW Dynamite on Saturday? Oh, yeah, I meant to tell you, I hope you watch Dynamite to cover the show tonight because I watched the SmackDown rerun. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Watch the Roman smash again, I, I, I mean, yes. Um, no, but um, overall, I mean, it's petty. It's a petty move, and, and I get it. I, I know what they're doing. A lot of people were like, well, you know, there wasn't a Game 7. They should have never counted on a Game 7 to begin with. This has nothing to do with that. This is just WWE being a little petty. I don't see them coming close to Dynamite numbers with a rerun run that's just me honestly not that dynamite is going to do that much better being on on a saturday but i doubt that people tuned into a rerun of smackdown yeah yeah we'll see uh what kind of impact this has if any uh it is you know wwe more of their competitive spirit and uh, you know like, listen i like these types of stories I, I like when these two companies are going after each other in this tactical warfare um so we'll see how that impacted them but uh speaking of warfare uh Issa. Speaking oh of my God. Tactical are we getting to it? Are we spilling tea? Are we spilling tea? A little bit of Earl Grey's. This <laughs> is a Saturday. I was glued to my computer like I was watching my soaps or something like that because we got quite the story for everybody. I'm trying. I'm going to try my best to recap this. Uh, we were talking last night during AEW Rampage about uh, just as we were going off the air, uh, Andrade sent out a tweet that said, F-U-W-W-E. 
Uh, and uh, following that, after shortly after we went off the air, WrestleVotes, which is a WWE Insider account, noted that there is far more to this story. So now people are kind of speculating about, oh, this is an AEW story. But uh, WrestleVotes is a WWE Insider. So I'm thinking this is Charlotte. So, something with Charlotte. There's got to be some tea with Charlotte. Well, I was not disappointed because it turns out that segment last night where they were exchanging the belts. And it got a little weird. Becky threw the belt at Charlotte, uh, and she dropped it after catching it. Charlotte tossed it and pulled it back from Becky, and Sonya had to order them to pick it up like kids. That was a shoot, apparently, because there was a heated conversation between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair backstage following this segment. Uh, Charlotte was actually reportedly asked to leave the building after ignoring Vince McMahon, who was very upset with this exchange. Uh, Becky Lynch did a dark match, and they wanted Charlotte out of the building by the time Becky Lynch got back so that shows you how heated it was it sounded on site uh these two got into a very heated relation it's since come out that their relationship is strained after they were previously best friends they had those t photos they used to post but uh apparently they are not um close anymore due to some comments by becky lynch saying that charlotte is plastic uh, a lot to unpack here isa i know but becky v charlotte in real life charlotte has three years left or years left on her wwe deal what do you think of all this how do you unpack this isa First of all, let me spill a little more tea that you didn't that you didn't spill. Brian Alvarez tweeted that Charlotte was escorted by security out of the building. And most importantly, Becky has stopped following Charlotte on Instagram. That's how you know a beef is real. If somebody stops following someone on Instagram, shit is going down. Okay, that's just yeah, this is that serious. Listen, I feel like you booked both of these women in a lose-lose situation with this segment. Nobody wanted it, not even them, right? I don't blame them. And I feel like I was talking about it earlier today on my channel. I was like, okay, so going off script is also very unprofessional. But at the same time, if Charlotte is going around too creative all day yesterday telling them I'm not okay with this segment and nobody changes it, can you blame her for for doing what she did? Um no, you can't, you know, at the same time, is this really a thing or are we building towards Survivor Series? Because listen, I have trust issues. And if they if they get to face each other at Survivor Series, tell me this wouldn't make you so much more invested. I'm just saying. It already does. And let me yes. tell you, the internet wrestling monolith is trying to use this as an excuse. You see, it's why you don't do these title belt exchange. Let me tell you right now, given the drama that has come out because of this <laughs> I want more title belt exchanges. No, Alfred, you stop that. Don't, more don't you title stop belt that. Exchanges. No, no. But they took it so seriously that by changing a title can lead to such consternation. If this is part of a work, which, you know, we always have to kind of dangle that around where if this is a work, I don't think it is. But if it is, I think it's phenomenal storytelling in terms of using yes. such a throwaway segment that I think a lot of people did not want and turning it into this is phenomenal like but i don't think that's it because i just don't think wwe has that ability to tell stories that way anymore but uh yes. if this is what we're getting from just uh what i thought was a, a senseless title belt exchange ceremony if at least to this I'm here for it, okay? I'm we here did, for it. We did say it was one of the most awkward segments we've ever seen, and now it all makes... I read that this morning, and I was like, it all makes sense now. Yeah. Like, it, it, it felt weird. Like, they should have just done the backstage like they did with the New Day and the Street Profits, where it was just like, here you go, and here you go, and just, like, get it over. We're putting it in the main event segment of the night, something that nobody wanted to see was a ballsy move, but everything that Charlotte did was ballsy as well. So, I mean... We'll see where this goes, but the, the Andrade tweet made all the sense in the world once we started finding out yeah. more info. 
now that we've pieced together the story, this is a, a very, very wild story that continues to develop. I just feel like every hour or so there was an update in terms of more information. There was also updates that Charlotte Flair was not very happy with uh, the disqualification yes. finishes past Sunday on Raw, she felt, as I feel a lot of people felt, that Bianca Belair should have won this match and won that title. It was such a great match. It would have been such a great coordination for <laughs> Bianca. And uh, that didn't happen. And that also seems to be grinding Charlotte's gears. Well, I feel like that decision would have been the right decision to make. But at the same time, I don't feel like that's a decision that should have been made without Becky Lynch approval because the champion on SmackDown going to Raw is Becky Lynch, right? So it's like, if Becky Lynch dropped the title to Sasha and then she wanted to be Raw Women's Champion and they made the decision to give it to Bianca without involving her, that feels kind of weird, no? You should have just ultimately involved Becky in that segment as well. You know what I mean? And have Becky yeah. win the Raw title. I don't know. There, there had to be... There's like 10,000 better ways, and we can probably go about it all night talking about better ways you could have done this than a bell swap. Do I blame them for being mad? No. Do I think it's a little unprofessional? To go off script, yes, but if nobody's listening to you, that listen. Sure. Hey, she did what she had to do. Right now, I hated that segment last night. I came on here and I said how much I hated it. I didn't like the idea of it. I didn't like when it was happening. What happened after made it worth it for me. If this is what we got after this, my God, you talk about entertaining. You talk about this is entertainment, ladies and gentlemen. T Smitty for three thousand. Or no, T Smitty three thousand four five dollars got my hopes up. I thought I was gonna have to retire. I took my latest SmackDown when it was in Phoenix. Told her about Bianca and Sasha. My lady and her two girls are now fans of Bianca representation. I've heard stories like that so many times. Where Bianca uh, is you're really into it, yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to say Bianca is such a big deal and she's so relatable to everyone. I have a video she plugged coming to my channel soon in which I show my one of my in real life best friends who had never in her life watched wrestling and she walked out of my apartment that day in love with Bianca Belair. So I love seeing, you know, who people who has no idea what they're watching relate to and she loved her. Yeah, thank you very much for that, uh, uh, T. Smitty. I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, even when I talked to Bianca Belair, she was talking about how people would come up to the streets on her, in her community, in the Black community, and say, I didn't even know they had wrestlers like you. I didn't even know that Black people were wrestling like that or were champions or whatnot. And so that's a great thing, you know, in order to connect with this community. This community decides what's cool in America. So the more you can connect with the Black community, the better for pro wrestling, which is very cold right now in the grand scheme of things. And also, you know, an all-time moment that I would show my friends who don't watch wrestling was Bianca Belair lifting up Sasha Banks with one yes. hand like that is I, amazing. Phenomenal. I sent that to my best friend, the one that I made the video with, because she left like loving Bianca so much that I just sent her the screenshot and she just sent me an old calf that's queen shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I showed that to everybody. I'm like, I put it in my story. I was like, that was impressive. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, that was a really great spot for me. Just what I thought was a great show in Crown Jewel. And uh, we will get into what I didn't think was so great of a show. Uh, however, it did have a lot of newsworthy moments in a very hot ending. It's AEW Dynamite from Orlando, Florida. We start with the World Title Eliminator Tournament, round one, Brian Danielson versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, this one was a little bit messy because Rhodes got hurt early, and you could really tell. He told Brian Danielson to back off. You could hear him audibly telling him to get back. Uh, it was a rib injury, and he just really gutted his way through this match. You could just see him kind of protecting his ribs throughout, so it really added that kind of real-life uh, 
aspect to it. And I really did think they had a good match considering that Rhodes was working hurt. There were some kind of scary spots knowing that he had this injury, but uh, Brian Danielson ended up winning. I thought Jim Ross was excellent on commentary here saying that Brian Danielson has won all of his matches with different moves. It's really great analysis there. But Brian Danielson did win this match. Uh, Doc Sampson came in the ring immediately after to check on Dustin Rhodes, but uh, a very shaky match in terms of his injury, but I think they made the most of it, he said. Yeah, I agree. And you brought up JR and today he sent out a tweet saying that it was confirmed that he has skin cancer. So thoughts and prayers with JR. Yes. Hopefully it's nothing major and he's able to beat it right away. The fact that he was on commentary tonight, mayor props to him because I would assume if he says I need some time, they would have given him whatever time he needed. Um, a lot of times when you're struggling to those kind of things, staying busy is the best thing I say about for experience. So um, yeah, you can tell when those things got injured and I never give him enough credit for still being out there wrestling looking so good at his age but it kind of like kind of threw off the match I wonder if Daniel Bryan picked up that guillotine move from the way that Roman put him to sleep and wrote him off television because Roman did that move on him remember but yes I agree I love I feel like Brian is having so much fun out here. Every week he comes out and gives us something different. He is probably my favorite thing in AEW television right now from throwing ass the moment his music hits to watching him wrestle. I'm telling you, he's Illuminati confirmed. He's like a whole new man with a whole new energy. He looks younger every time he's out there. I don't know how he's doing this thing. So props to Brian for keeping the match going. And even though there was an injury, it didn't feel, I mean, we saw an injury, possible injury later on that completely affected the whole flow of the show and the match. That didn't happen here. Yeah, and props to Brian Danielson because he's not going to get credit for just how he was able to keep this match together with mm-hmm. uh, Dustin Rose. I think we have to give a big shout out to Dustin Rose for continuing this. Rib injuries, if that's what it was, are no joke. They might be the most painful oh. thing you go through, especially wrestling a match where it's hard to breathe. So these two, the fact that this thing didn't completely fall apart and it actually ended up being a good match, it's a testament to Brian Danielson being an all-time great and a testament to Dustin Rhodes really being a very underrated all-time great, I think, uh, in how they were able to complete this match because you know that he really wanted to have a good match with Brian Danielson and I thought they did a good job I once I once fractured two ribs drunk celebrating a Lakers winning a championship and I was able to keep going but the next day I couldn't move for like the next three weeks so (laughs) 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 so props to anybody that can keep those I mean I was very intoxicated, so I was like, if I can get off, I can keep drinking. But I'm telling you, that is one of the worst pains I've ever felt. And there's nothing you can do for a broken rib, but let it heal. Yeah. Okay. Props to Issa, the toughest woman in all of pro wrestling, for letting uh, just going on and not letting a broken rib. I kept partying. I kept partying. I would never stop. That's all time. It's like a Fred Favre's starting streak and then Issa uh, partying through the broken ribs. That's, that's how it goes. That's the higher. Thanks, Alfred. I appreciate your respect. It's high praise for me. I'm a Packers guy. You know that? <laughs> Heather Boone for $5. I was at Dynamite and someone kicked out for having an I Love Twinks and Cream Pie Sammy side. I'm just reading what they say, Raj. I'm just reading what it says. I laughed till I cried. <laughs> Oh my God! I saw, I saw the twinks. 
my god so heather girl i love you too i hope you have fun tonight it sounds like you did yeah i i saw the sign i was like attitude era signs are back on aw dynamite that shit was funny supposedly they kicked him out or they took his signs i don't know what happened but well clearly i didn't see it because that is hilarious um and listen hey i thought AEW was supposed to be the man of the people they were supposed to let anybody in with signs what they say i'm thinking about whenever they come to la coming with a new day sign we'll see if they kick me out or not but uh, i hate to hear that they're kicking people out for signs especially for signs as hilarious as that that was very funny. Thank you for that, Heather. That was well worth the $5. I feel like we should give Heather the $5 for that. For giving us the tea. Today is a day of tea. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Well, that poor guy. Um, so we have Kenny Omega backstage. I absolutely love this. I don't know what you thought about this, uh, Issa. <laughs> but we start on the sneakers, of course. We're still going yes. with that sort of war between uh, They're not Papa letting Buck that go. The Young Bucks. <laughs> Top Dollar and the Young Bucks to where they start on their sneakers, the heat, as the Young Bucks call them. Uh, but then Kenny proceeds to cut what I thought was a very good promo. Uh, he talked about how he felt like it was Halloween when he was teaming with Hangman Adam Page because we have Halloween coming up because he was cosplaying as a cowboy. He said that they weren't ch- are going to be chanting cowboy shit. They're going to be chanting coward shit. He said he knows the man behind the hat, the shirt, the skin-tight jeans. And he says that uh, he's going to be burning through negative ones diaper supply faster than you're burning through some moonshine. This was a very good promo by Kenny Omega. I thought he did a good job as a heel. It was a great response to what I thought was a great babyface promo from Hangman Adam Page. Issa, what did you think about Kenny Omega tonight? Absolutely love this promo. Um, I love that they started on the sneakers. I popped for that just because keep the banter going, right? We spoke about it. Yeah, I thought it was the perfect response for that promo that Adam that Hangman Page cut last week. Obviously, what are you going to do? That was almost like the most perfect babyface promo. So have... <clears throat> Omega come out here and call him out. If somebody knows Hangman's weaknesses, it's going to be Omega. So I would expect him to always get on the mic and call out, you know, his weaknesses. That being said, I would like to know why Omega looks like a bank robber that escaped to Mexico and is in Mexico living undercover to not get caught. His <laughs> outfits, the hair, he really looks like that. <laughs> That's so great. That's so specific. I love it. <laughs> He's like the worst dressed person in pro wrestling. He's so bad. I mean, I know part of it's his gimmick, but he has no fashion sense whatsoever. And the hair drives me freaking crazy. Like, I don't know. But listen, it, it works. It works for him in a weird way. But I don't know. I was That's what I would picture somebody trying to stay undercover in a different country dressing that's like. Right. <laughs> if you or anybody you know knows anything about Kenny Omega, make sure that you hit us up with a super chat. Uh, and, you know, let's go uh, really quickly to what happened with Hangman Adam Page because he was backstage with the Dark Order and he was kind of back to drunken Hangman Adam Page. Thought it was fine, but it's just kind of a, a weak follow-up from such a great promo last week. I guess you really don't need to do anything uh, this week, particularly with Hangman Adam Page, but he came in, he was kind of a bit player with the Dark Order and they were talking about how they're going to dress up and then he just walked out. Very brief appearance from Hangman Adam Page. Yeah, I mean, you could have done something you know, just to follow up with the babyface promo and have him talk about how the Dark Order helped him. You know what I mean? Why not have a heartfelt moment like you did last week in the ring of him with the Dark Order and speaking about how much the Dark Order had an influence in him believing in himself. But it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, okay, he shined last week. They're going to let him mega shine. You have to build, you know, the, the, the heat and the sympathetic Right. feelings for this field but i do think that they missed out on an opportunity to talk about what the dark order did for him because we never really saw it yeah so uh, we get a promo between ftr and penta l zero mera uh, and, and i thought that was pretty good uh it's fine going back and forth what do you think 
I'm laughing at the chat. Somebody says that I thought about that life before escaping to Mexico <laughs> because it was too specific and that made me laugh. <laughs> Don't tell on yourself now. <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to have to come up with another plan for the rest of my life. Um, no, what segment were we on? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was just FTR going back and forth. There really was nothing special, but it was fine. Yeah. We just kind of doing pre-tape. FTR, yeah, yeah, the FTR, FTR promo. Of course, it was great. I just want to see them wrestle. Like, there's yeah. something about FTR that I'm like, okay, I, I know that they're great and they can cut their promos, but I personally enjoy them in the ring. So just let them freaking go out there and wrestle them. Yeah. So we get an in-ring promo. Here's somebody that I think a lot of people may want to see talk than wrestle as MJF because he's phenomenal. God, yes. As a talker and as a heel. Uh, we have Sting in the ring giving an update for Darby Allen, he's interrupted by MJF, who just gets all kinds of heat. MJF calls Sting Darby's emo daddy. He's getting shut the f up. Chance he, he the heat comes and MJF is saying to a new law, ladies and gentlemen, where he says that Sting is going to end up just like, or Darby Allen is going to end up just like Sting's best friend Lex Luthor, who's currently in a wheelchair. Lex Luger is, and uh, that got a angry reaction from Sting, who attacked. Uh, MJF. This brought out Wardlow and Spears. They laid out Sting, and MJF just went from heel to super heel, cutting this promo and screaming at these people uh, that Darby Allen is never going to get over on him, no matter how many times they chant your name. Uh, this is going to be your future in Sting, and he's just getting all kinds of heat and icing on the cake. As if you didn't think you can get any more, he hits him with the diamond ring and um, walks out. I mean, this I thought was just phenomenal heel work from MJF. Uh, you think the, the the heat that this man gets from the moment that his music hits is absolutely incredible. People will pay for that, like bottle it up and sell it, right? But the things that he said tonight, every time I, I need to stop thinking to myself, what else can MJF say to become like the baddest heel there is? And then he keeps outdoing himself every week. This was uh okay the emo daddy line though i just want to say it was miro the one who said that first so he oh. stole that from miro miro called oh. sting um darby allen's face paint emo daddy so that wasn't an mjf original everything else that he didn't said was an mjf original tonight that was i i mean i talked last week about how you should play that promo for teaching how to be a baby face Play anything that NJF is if you want to teach somebody how to get real heat. Because, my God, like, he makes you uncomfortable. Some of the things he says make you uncomfortable, and that's why he's so good at his job. Yeah, see, I didn't think there was any more way for him to get heat. And yeah. as a stand-up comic, I hate a joke thief. So knowing that, that he's a joke thief, now he's got even more heat with me. And I didn't think that that was possible. So uh, MJ, It was, it was Miro, because I will never forget when he says, your face paint evil daddy. It was one of the very, when he feuded with Darby, he cut that promo. I, I got to find it, but he was not an NJF original. Okay, well, that's that bad uh, to hear. And we did get a great Miro promo that we're going to get into later on. <laughs> Love this. Love this from Nero. Uh, we go backstage. Let's get into what happened with uh, MJF later on backstage. They go backstage and Wardlow's pissed with MJF. He says, what with that bullshit from last week when MJF tossed uh, Wardlow into the fire and then ran off and allowed Sting to, to attack him. And MJF kind of backs down, says that they're, you know, they're cool, everything's fine. And he assigns an accountability buddy Wardlow in the form of Sean Spears. So Sean Spears is Wardlow's new accountability buddy. They're really taking their time. It's now been over a year that they're building up a potential split between Wardlow and MJF. And this is the latest chapter in that, Issa. I, I think the accountability buddy is 
a concept that's genius and I I know a lot of people that could use one this is going to take off in real life uh that being said yes they've been building this a little too long what I would love to see uh, yeah I was gonna say one of my favorite things sorry about that was Sean Spears that might have been my favorite Sean Spears moment and he wasn't even that big of a deal in this promo <laughs> but um I wish they would add more to Warlow's character like tell us why does he stay with him like can we talk about like is he living the life is he getting paid that good that he's gone so long without turning on MJF like what is the reason why I wish we knew a little bit more like we can tell that he's getting fed up but we don't know why he stays is it loyalty is it for money like what is keeping you there I feel like you need to tell a little bit more of this angle from Warlow's story maybe they're holding off because they're not planning on doing the turn quite yet but I need to know more about Warlow at, at this point. That's an excellent point. And I think it's too little too late to do something like that, but that's definitely necessary in terms of explaining why this monster continues to put up with MJF. And it would be such a perfect MJF angle to where like maybe MJF has something on Wardlow and he's some knows yes. something about his personal life and he's just dangling that over Wardlow. And that would get people more behind Wardlow in terms of turning on MJF. I think that would be phenomenal if they did something like that. Yeah, if you tell a, a good story with Warlow, this could be a great turn. But I feel like right now he just looks silly, still taking it. And we don't know why he's still sitting there taking it. So that's yeah. what I need to know. I love your idea of him having something on Warlow because that could really play into their storyline when they do do it. I like the idea of he's getting paid good money because yeah. who will put up with MJF? Like, like tell the, the tell the story that MJF has to pay off his friends for them to be friends with him, you know? Right. <laughs> because yeah, he's that big too. of an asshole. I love I that thought. I know, me too. <laughs> so we go backstage and get a promo from Britt Baker against Ty Conti. Remember that question mark from Tony Khan's playbook on the sidelines of the Jacksonville Jaguars practice? That question mark, ladies and gentlemen, is Ty Conti will be taking on Britt Baker for the AEW Women's World Championship at, at Full Gear. So Britt's talking about Ty Conti's ass. She likes showing off her ass. She puts her hands on my ass. I'm going to beat that ass for showing off so much. And uh, so we're going to get Ty Conti versus Britt Baker. I think this could be a good match, Issa. I think it's going to be a great match. I remember Ty Conti having a really good match for the women's title in the past. Um, I didn't like one thing about this promo, and maybe I'm nitpicking too much tonight, but I know that Britt Baker mentioned something about Ty needed to like work her way up instead of getting in her business, where Ty is pretty high up in the rankings. She's yeah. always been. So I didn't like that she used that because I was like, I'm not shocked. Like I don't feel like why is Ty Conti getting a title shot? To where if you would have given it to Anna J, then I would have said like, wait a minute, why? You know? So I just like didn't like that. But outside of that, I love everything that Britt Baker says. Every time she gets a promo, she's pretty on point and she just makes I don't know. I th I think this is going to be a great match, but I don't see Ty being the one either. I think right. Britt Baker is having uh, the same case as Roman Reigns, where it's like, it doesn't Jeez. matter who you put against them, they're not going to drop the title. So, okay, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> good luck trying. <laughs> they're going to need to do a lot with Ty Conte to convince people that she has a chance of beating uh, Britt Baker. And yeah, Ty was on like a 15-match win streak once upon a time. So yes. she's more than worked her way to the top. That's why when she said that, I was a little thrown off. But like I said, at this point, I'm nitpicking because I do love Britt Baker and I thought this promo was great. Yeah. 
so then we get to a women's match between Ruby Soho and Penelope Ford. Uh, Bunny came out early on in this match. I thought these two worked pretty well together. There were some suplex spots. That's when it really, I think, picked up. Uh, and uh, then finally, Ruby Soho won this match. Uh, Red Velvet comes out because it's two on one between Penelope Ford and the Bunny, and Red Velvet evens the odds. And uh, that's the first round of the TBS championship. So it looks like uh, Ruby Soho has punched her ticket to the next round. Of course she has. Are you shocked by that? I mean, no. she's she's amazing. I did like the way that she um, made Penelope Ford look great. I mean, a lot of it, I think, has to do with Ruby. She's such a pro at what she does. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Penelope. No offense. I'm just not really getting to her matches. But tonight, I thought this was great. Um Red Velvet, seeing Red Velvet again was great because it feels like, yeah. where did she go? She got that title shot with Britt Baker. And then after that, they haven't really been doing anything with her. But I'm excited. I expect Britt Baker to go, I mean, I'm sorry. I expect Ruby Soho to go very, very far into this, if not all the way to the finals against either Thunder Rosa or Jay Cargill is what I'm thinking is going to happen. Yeah, this is a very loaded tournament. I could see yes. the choices you made. I hope it's Jade Cargill, but I could see either Jade, Thunder, or Ruby Soho possibly winning. I mm-hmm. think uh, not. Uh, Sh- uh, Sheeta might be an outside candidate, but I think they're going to do a losing streak with her. Uh, but uh, Serena Deeb is doing some good work in terms of being that gatekeeper, but I think they're only going to do a storyline together. And once she beats uh, Hikaru Shida, she's probably going to lose her next match. But uh, this is a very loaded tournament. I'm very much looking forward to it um, and seeing how this unfolds. Yeah, but it makes you wonder, why don't you use these women weekly? You have two shows now. You see the, the bracket and you go like, holy crap, the AW Women's Division is really good. Where are all of them on a, week, on a weekly basis and why there's no competition for Britt Baker? You do yes. have a solid division now. Yeah, that's on them. This, this is a complete expose of AEW mm-hmm. and how they booked their women to see. Because I think it, it took a lot of people by surprise looking at this bracket like, wait a minute. like Not that WWE. Not <laughs> that WWE is doing any better with their women right no, now. No, no, they're not. I mean, saying, man, two things can be true. They're both really dropping the ball. It, it, when it right. comes to the mid-card, because I do think WWE's main event scene, they had back-to-back weeks of banger women's matches and that the Crown Jewel show is a banger of a women's yeah. match. So when they want in the main event, when they're prioritizing you, yes. But with the rest right. of it, with the mid-card, which they do have a talented mid-card as well. They really don't do much with them. And I just think from top to bottom, AEW is kind of struggling there. Yeah, agreed. I mean, shout out to Impact because I think going into Bound for Glory tonight, the thing that I'm the most excited about is Mickey James against Deanna Parasso. Yeah. So They built the hell out of that match. It might be the main event. I don't know if that's been confirmed. I yet, hope but... they get to main event. Yeah. I mean, they deserve it. I mean, they've been building this for a while. Right. Speaking of main event, we get Bobby, Bobby Fish. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's not. <laughs> the infamous Bobby Fish, ladies and gentlemen, takes on Anthony Green. I'll say this. Bobby Fish's theme song is amazing. It's like, it, it sounds like Danzig. I really like his theme song. I, I don't know what, what you're thinking about it, but I think it's very unique. And I love his theme song. You don't like it, Aisa? No, it, oh, it, it doesn't it. even come close to Brian's theme song. Now, that's a okay. theme song right there. If we're going to compare it to Brian, I, I I like it. I think it's very unique, and I just think it's kind of wasted on Bobby Fish because he's not much of a, a character. He's a, a lot of things are wasted on Bobby Fish, including CM Punk, <laughs> apparently. CM Punk, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So he beats Anthony <laughs> Green. And, like, who cares? Okay, he beats Anthony Green, and then CM Punk comes out. And so now, are you excited for CM Punk versus Bobby Fish is coming Wednesday on Dynamite, Issa? 
No, no, I need them to put CM Punk in something that feels exciting. Like, CM Punk came back, and I remember just sitting here crying like an idiot, thinking of all these crazy matches that I'm fantasy booking him in, right? Now, I didn't hate Darby Allen. That night, you have Adam Cole and Brian debut, and there I am fantasy booking 10 more matches after that happened. None of the matches that I fantasy booked, and it was like a good 30, had any of the guys that he's wrestled after Darby Allen. I'm like, what are we doing here? Are we building a winning streak? Maybe. But Bobby Fish is not it. I'm sorry. It's not it. Not not what I want to see him Punk to do next at all. <laughs> I'm starting to think that maybe like the conspiracy theorist in me is thinking that this is CM Punk trying to like work his way back. And so maybe he's just requested all these good workers who maybe not aren't the biggest superstars, but he's trying to work out his new wrestling style. So he he's wants CM to Punk. He gets a buy. He gets a yeah, buy to whatever it, he wants. He's CM freaking Punk. We waited yeah. seven years. I don't want to see him BS. I want to see him, like, we don't know how long he's going to be around. So I just want to see all of the good. Okay, I want to see him against MJF. There, I said Sure. I mean, that's one of many people should be wrestling. Like, all respect to Bobby Fish and these guys, Matt Seidel, but this is not what they're paying millions of dollars for CM Punk, Phil Brooks, to come back and do. And he's just been kind of in these good hand matches that uh, I don't think have really set the world on fire. He's been saying how his body feels like garbage, so maybe he's even on borrowed time in terms that's of That's why I said that. That's exactly this. why I said that, because I read he's been saying he's been feeling like shit. He's not used to this anymore, and it's just like, well, then how long do we have him for? Because if he's not going to stick around for too long, then let's put him on main event kind of feuds, and I guarantee you the ratings will see a difference if you were doing that. Uh, you know, like I get the, I, and I said it to you, you put somebody that people don't know against somebody that, you know, that you, that you know, and then that way it works. But it's just like, it's CM Punk, like you are wasting him. And a lot of people, you know, he's getting up in the rankings, this and that, but it's just like, there's so many more interesting names that you could just have in wrestle right now that will still get him the wins. I don't know, I, but I never been a fan of Bobby Fish. I've never been big into Bobby Fish. I don't. I mean, he can wrestle, but it's just like okay, so can yeah. pretty much the entire AEW roster. So what's so special about him? You know, his entrance yeah. music, according to you. Yes, I love his entrance music. That's the best part of Bobby Fish. That's what I'm going to get excited for from now on. But I mean, you know, quintessential pro wrestler who wrestles for the sake of wrestling. Uh, all our characters and storylines, and there's nothing uh, resembling that with this and Anthony Green. So you know, him and CM Punk. Who knows how that's going to go? I'm sure it'll be a good match, but I will not care. Same. We get Leo Rush and Dante Martin. They're going to make their tag team debut against the Seidel brothers. That should be fun. Uh, Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston. So this is the match we were talking about earlier. Uh, the, the big thing to take away from this is, uh, you know, shortly after it started, Kingston attacked Archer from behind, and then Archer goes from the moonsault on Kingston, lands right on his head. Very scary bump. They stop the match. You can see them talking. Um, Eddie Kingston's kind of talking to him. Doc Samson comes out to talk to Archer, and you can kind of tell that they're instructing him to go home. And so they end the match immediately after with a roll-up uh, from Eddie Kingston. And so Eddie Kingston advances in that tournament. Good for him. Here's the thing. And I don't want to make any light of this because, you know, Lance Archer hopefully is going to be okay. But Tony Meese uh, was in the crowd. We saw him earlier on in the night. They showed Tony Meese from WWE. And then right after Lance Archer landed on his head, they immediately cut to Tony Nese because it was a planned shot. But obviously they did not plan for Lance Archer to land on his head. They cut to Tony Nese. They were just going to show him do the crawl, show that he's in the audience. And he looked horrified. And then he like realized he's on camera. And then he's like, you know, and then he had to play a comic collect himself. So that was a, a little levity for, for this segment. But, uh, you know, again, prayers are with Lance Archer. 
Uh, and this was a very scary spot. You Same with Eddie Kingston. The camera obviously had to keep going to Eddie Kingston, and you could just see he was worried. He's like trying to communicate with the ref, with the doctor, to see what do we do here. They went to Eddie Kingston a lot, and the, the look in his face was never like, yeah, I advance. It was always like, I am so worried for this guy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that took me out of the match, took me out of the show for a little bit, but um, good for Eddie Kingston. I did share that Eddie Kingston needed a win, and I think hopefully this is what was supposed to happen because now we don't even know so Eddie Kingston finally gets a big win and we don't even yeah. know if he was meant to win this or not but obviously all I care about is just making sure that Archer was okay because um, somebody in the chat John McDonald thank you saying yeah. Archer tweeted that he is good so thank yes. you for the update if he's good then awesome you know because I, I that that was scary yeah, so I'm glad that Lance Archer seems to be doing well. And that is a great point um, about whether or not Eddie Kingston was going to win because this is the one match I felt could go either way. I think I, yeah. you know, we're, we're able to predict what all the matches are going to be. John Moxley over 10 and Brian Danielson over Dustin Rhodes and so on and so forth. But this was a match where it's like, this is 50-50. I could see either way. So now we'll forever... You know, it'll always be a question mark who was originally supposed to go over in this match because I could have yeah. seen it either way. Yeah, and that's tragic for Kingston because he needed a big win. So if he was scheduled to win here, it would have been nice to see him win without the injury, you know, yes. factored into it. Very interesting because now we get Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson, and uh, it'll really test, you know, how much people love. Because yes, Brian Danielson is very hot, but Eddie Kingston is like AEW's the crowd the spiritual loves. leader. They love yes. Eddie, so it's <laughs> at least going to be fifty-fifty, if not more, in Eddie's favor. Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting match, and I'm looking forward to it very, very much. Uh, we get an exchange, men of the year, uh, with Sammy Guevara. So there was a lot going on here, okay? Uh, so we get the kind of back and forth. Ethan Page gets to talk. He's talking about Jericho flirting with Paige Van Zandt. Uh, out comes Sammy Guevara. And Sammy Guevara and Dan Lambert go back and forth. This is where it really kind of picks up uh, with Dan Lambert saying, you know, it was a rumor that you, you sucked on the stick. And uh, basically coming out of this, we're getting a lot of stipulations. It's going to be Sammy Guevara versus Ethan Page for the TNT title. If Sammy Guevara loses, he has to leave the inner circle. If Sammy Guevara wins, we're getting inner circle versus America's top team. Also, if Sammy Guevara wins, Sammy Guevara gets to pick who from America's top team faces the inner circle. Did you get all that, Issa? No. No, I didn't get it. I didn't get it when they said it, and I didn't get it when you just repeated to me. I am so confused still. I just think that Sammy's going to win, so I don't know what this Like, what happens if Sammy wins? Because I'm pretty sure Sammy's winning. So Yeah, way too many stipulations. Basically, Sammy's way, way too many. And yeah, yeah we're probably going to get uh, America's top team versus the inner circle, and Sammy's going to get to pick the opponents. But this, the way this was done, I feel like they might have messed some things up because they had to kind of circle back and say, okay, so to be clear, everybody, <laughs> it was a really weird promo. It was. The whole segment, I was like, I felt lost. I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, this was a, a lot. Then we get a brawl between the two teams. Sammy has the uh, cue cards during the break, which he doesn't do enough. I think it's always a great bit when he does that, calling him loose pecs paid. Which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the fat shame Ethan Page all you will. He used to be pretty overweight. And if you see what he used to look like, he's gotten himself into shredded shape. I think he's gotten himself into great shape uh, with AEW. So, but <laughs> it was a pretty funny line, loose pecs page. But this was a very messy segment, I thought. Props, props on the weight loss. Here, here's what's now, oh, yeah, from the weight loss queen herself, uh, Issa, NYC Diva Diva. Yes, it's not easy. So, <laughs> more, more, <laughs> mayor respect. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, we get uh, what I thought was a great Moxley promo. So, okay, John Moxley. What promo? Backstage. What Mox promo is not great, though? Like, yeah, yeah, he, this is not great, but he stepped it up here because sometimes I tune out, like, just thinking, kind of taking him for granted that, yeah, he's going to cut a good promo. But this is different because it was the first time, I think, that he brought up his daughter. He was talking about a story about how she grabbed his broken pinky and how now all he cares about is his daughter. He doesn't care about anything, he said. doesn't care about the demos, doesn't care about the tournament or the title. But what he does care about is making it home to his daughter and the only way he could do that is by making it out of this tournament alive i thought this was a great way to not because it sounded like he was bearing everything but then he did a roundabout thing to say that he has to win in order to get back to his daughter and i thought this was great layering for his character he brought his daughter up once before but it was like saying that he has a three-month-old so he's getting sure. no sleep and he's going crazy not in the emotional factor of it i what i loved about this promo is that what that's what i expect from mox i don't think mox cares about demos he doesn't care about titles he doesn't care about anything he just wants to wrestle and go drink beer smoke cigarettes and do his thing so that's why this promo felt so genuine because i believe him i believe that he had a moment when he looked at his daughter's eyes and was like okay you're my whole world now and you're all I care about. I loved it. This like, I, we had this conversation. Both you and I felt the same way. But Dean Ambrose was so forced, but Max, he's such he's such a relatable kind of dude. Like he's actually lovable. And when he tries to be so badass, he's actually lovable. Yeah. And I love when he does this kind of promos where he just feels real. You know what I mean? No BS. This is not scripted. They're just letting him say whatever he wants, and that's awesome. Yeah, this is really great. And, and again, another aspect to his character to where now you know that he's fighting for his daughter has a bit of a sweet spot. So he's got that tough guy with a sweet spot in future promos. I'm sure MJF, if they ever feud again, will bring up his daughter. I was daughter just going to say, I cannot wait so, for somebody yeah. to bring her up and he's just going to go crazy. Lose his mind. And it's great. This is great storytelling to build up a character. I really like it. Uh, I'd like to warn everybody, we've got a spoiler for Brown, Bound for Glory coming up. Okay, so if you don't want Bound for Glory spoiler, Spoilers. Maybe tune out for the next 10 seconds. Uh, you know, go read some text from the streets. But a spoiler from Bound for Glory. And it looks like shout out to the inspiration, formerly the Iconics, for winning the Impact Wrestling Knockouts tag titles. Hashtag Bound for Glory Love from friend of the show, Peter Bahi. So thanks for that update, Peter. Great to hear. I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Iconics. Uh, I thought they were great. I thought Billy Kay was great when they split off and did the resume thing. When I went, when I was planning on, whenever SmackDown was going to come back to Inglewood, which is in December, I was planning on bringing a sign, a blown up sign of a Billy Kay resume. But uh, unfortunately, that can't happen. Oh, that's amazing. But but I'm really happy for the Iconics, our inspiration, Issa. I am as well. I've been rooting and vocal about wanting them to go to Impact because they have a tag team division because I think they work together everybody knows what happens when they got split up in wwe keep them together good for them man good for them yeah so good for them good to hear some success stories coming out of wwe uh then uh, after the moxley segment uh, we have jungle boy versus brandon cutler this very quick match he calls out anybody people want adam cole to get adam cole going crazy for Adam Cole, uh, but it was just a distraction. Young Bucks attack him from behind. They beat the hell out of Jungle Boy. They throw him through a table. Big heat segment. Uh, I liked this, Issa. My one nitpick is it was not explained where Luchasaurus was. They were chanting for Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are always together. Uh, he did not come out, and uh, there was always some loose end that I don't like when they do that with a babyface not saving his friend who's so closely linked to him, but uh, I thought this was a very good heat segment. Jungle Boy said a bad word. 
He's what promo. He said, he said yeah. shit. Ah, I was like, pop. Listen, he's not the best promo, but you say shit in AEW, get a pop. And he did get a no, pop. But for it was that. it was such an improvement from his freaking yes. promo that we crapped all over last week. So I mean, let him come out there, be angry, and say a bad word. It's a lot better than whatever what was going on last week backstage, <laughs> right? Um, love the pop for Adam Cole. I love the 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 elite. They're such. I don't know how to explain it. They're just sneaky, right? So, yes. you know, you have Brandon Kohler out there. I do feel like Adam, like Jungle Boy should know better. If you see Adam Cole come out alone, it's almost like, bro, they, like they jumped you how many times now? Why are you not looking everywhere for the other two? Um, but that being said, I mean, maybe he was doing dinosaur things. You never know. I saw a video yeah. on my timeline of like dinosaurs wrestling recently, like having like a <laughs> boxing match. Yeah. Maybe he was like a guest of honor this week and that's why he couldn't be here. I don't know. It's like the same thing with the camels. You, you don't know what they're up to on certain occasions. So dinosaurs do have a life. I don't think he's in court right now suing them for gimmick infringement for having that uh, dinosaur he's probably gimmick. He's probably in the Jericho Cruise. The people that we didn't see tonight are uh, all in that Jericho Cruise. <laughs> including Jericho, because we did see the Inner Circle come out and brawl with uh, no Jericho. Yeah, they're all they're all having fun in the Jericho cruise. I'm 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 a little jelly though. I mean, I don't have FOMO because I saw that they had to wait on like a line for like seven hours to get in, and then I was Oof. like, you know what? I'm glad I'm glad I didn't go to this cruise. Yeah, to get oh rapid COVID testing. You didn't cover that in the news, Alfred. I got oh, the man. tea. Well, <clears throat> they had to get rapid COVID testing to board the ship, which is great. Good for them and Jericho to be, you know, careful. But some people waited up to six hours on that line. And a lot of people had reservations for like dinner and activities that were already going on on board that they couldn't make it. However, oh. they did um, give everybody on board a $100 credit towards spending on food or alcohol because of the inconvenience. Oh, that's good. That's good on them. Wow. Great uh, update from uh, Issa, NYC Mediva. So I I had to. I see a lot of people report on the lines and how crappy it was. I was like, why is nobody reporting that they did try to make it out by giving everybody a credit? You don't see anybody talking about that. I'm like, that's kind of crappy that you guys are not yeah. saying that they try to to honor, you know, what went to on. make it right. Yeah. Well, Twitter right. is just for a bunch of anger. They're not going to talk about when they're happy or anything like that. Right. Yeah, right. It's good that they try to make good with the audience, but oh. Seven hours. Shout out to Bruce Jingle, my uh, comedy friend who's out there doing stand-up on the cruise. It sounds like that that's amazing. Good for him. Yeah. Bruce Jingle. Very funny. Check him out. Bruce Jingle. Uh, Miro. Oh, my God. This uh. is the best storyline. there. You talk about a match they cannot pay off. Miro versus God. Give it to me. I want to see Miro versus God because he cut another great promo on God. He's God's forsaken champion, but he's going to become God's favorite champion, but not because you want it, because I will leave you no choice. He's going to snap a bunch of necks. He's a, I thought this was incredible. Uh, maybe not better than what happened last week, but I mean, they're along the same levels in terms of this new uh, development of Miro, where it's like, I was worried because he didn't have the title, so he wasn't going to be God's favorite champion, but he's still doing this character as God's forsaken champion, and it's just as good. And we just got to give it up for the performer. Like, forget the title. Sammy Guevara can have that belt. Miro is on another level, regardless of what they're doing with these belts. Yeah, and at some point you have to put Miro in the world title picture. Like, I feel like if he keeps doing these promos and you build a couple more wins on him, he's going to be too big for the TNT title, to be honest with you. And I know that Tony Khan says that he books that title like a world title, but it still doesn't feel like it's, you know, your world title. If you have Hangman as your champion after full gear, he's going to need a couple of heels to field with. What doesn't get any better than Miro? He is making the most out of the TV time that they're giving him. And I was concerned because after um, Sammy Guevara beat him, we didn't see him on TV the week after. And I even yeah. thought to myself, Miro's not the kind of guy that would just sit back and be okay with losing his title. And now he's back 
you know, angrier than ever. And I'm here for it. Excellent promo. Way to make the most out of what? Like a 90-second spot that you get on TV? Yes. And if you don't have a good feel for him, then keep doing these promos. He's getting over just based on the promos alone. That is a telltale sign, one of those few things that superstars have that other people don't. That next gear where you only need 90 seconds, maybe even less, to get over, to get across the story, to make people care. We saw that with like Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens and some of these guys when WrestleMania had that delay and they just had to throw them into the fire and cut these quick yeah. promos. The superstars were fine, where they were just able to get all their points across quickly without being prepped. And this is more Miro being on that level of being able to cut this phenomenal promo in 90 seconds. Still wonder why WWE never did more with Miro when he was Rusev. He's a star. He's always been a star. I will say, though, this look, it looks better on him. He's more bulk-like. He just looks like a million dollars right now, and he's just delivering on every angle. I'm glad that we're here with him, because I didn't like what AEW was with Miro in the beginning, but they really, really turned it around for him. Yeah, and he even got a shout-out to his wife again, so hopefully they pay that off one day. A lot of stories. Oh, it's, he, he, it's paying off for him on the daily. <laughs> oh, <there it> is, <laughs> yeah. Not on OnlyFans, though. That's, here's a story I didn't cover where uh, apparently Miro does not want Lana on OnlyFans. So those of you uh, holding out I hope for that, don't. Uh... I don't blame him. I do think that Lana will make a lot of money without having to show much. So <laughs> I, I'm thinking about starting an OnlyFans and showing off my African Blackhawk, the, the bird. <laughs> the bird that I have. Okay, it's a bird. <laughs> <laughs> Sub to my OnlyFans. I mean, we're, if we're in that topic, I might as well. Yeah, yeah, go and plug it. You said, give us a plug. Uh, where can the people find you on OnlyFans? OnlyFans.com slash NYC Demon Diva. I got a 50% promotion right now. Hey, go on. Hey. <laughs> so we go to the main event before we send you to East's OnlyFans. Cody versus Malachi Black. Okay, so this was a very hot match. Cody Rhodes might be the new Roman Reigns circa 2015, where he seems like a very hot wrestler, but half the people, maybe more than half the people are just booing him, and then he does have that contingent of fans who are chanting for Cody, but we got a lot of mostly boos for Cody tonight against Malachi Black. Um, There's something going on in the crowd. I don't know what it was that people went crazy for. Nightmare Family came out. One of the highlights of this match is Arn Anderson gets in the ring, and these fans go crazy for Arn chanting, get the Glock. We need this Glock merch, AEW. You need to take advantage of this. They're chanting, get the Glock. He gets black mist in his face. Uh, we get Andrade coming out, who gets run off by Pac. Uh, so it seems like they're capitalizing and following up on Andrade and uh, Malachi Black being in an alliance. Uh, after the blackness on Arn, Cody, and Malachi Black racing against the clock because we got about 60 seconds left. Cody, yeah. it looks like he's going for a pedigree, which I think would have been the perfect ending to I know. I popped, I popped waiting for it, too. <laughs> yeah. But it was a Tiger Driver 98. So uh, this is a trope that I actually like it in wrestling that kind of got a lost art that Cody had to come back with a new finisher in order to beat Malachi Black. Right. Not a fan of Malachi Black losing. I think it's too early for Cody Same. to avenge his loss here, but he did. He beats Malachi Black. Fans are furious, and Cody Rhodes wins. Uh, what did you think about this, Issa? I mean, I like the match. I mean, Cody bleeding is getting so old to me. Like, every Cody Rhodes yeah. match, there's going to be blood. Love the Glock chant. Please keep it up to every city they go to moving forward. Oh, my God, that was so good. Um, I really did think he was going to hit the pedigree. And maybe I would have been more okay with the finish if he hit a pedigree. Um, yeah. Listen, I, I'm not a fan of Malachi Black losing. I'm not a fan of Cody Rose putting himself over. I'm I'm glad that he waited till the third match to do it because I had a bad feeling. I was like, at some point, Cody's going to beat Malachi. And here, here it was. Here it was. And, and the entire building booing, they need to turn him heel. 
Yeah, I mean, apparently, according to Cody, he's never going to turn heel. And you know what? It kind of goes back to that old Roman Reigns argument in that, like, now Roman Reigns is a phenomenal heel. Don't get me wrong. But this character, Cody Rhodes, in that him being a babyface and what he is right now seems very hot in terms of how they're reacting to it. Because maybe he doesn't need to give them the token heel turn because then he would just get those reactions. Maybe they would just start cheering him again. But I feel like this character, as long as they keep him away from Malachi Black for the time being, uh, it's very intriguing to see these reactions he's getting because people are definitely into it, uh, even if they are booing him. It was a, a very yeah. I mean, he got reaction. sheared. He got sheared last night. He just didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe Miami was drunk. You know, like they filmed Rampage so late. By that point, they might have been sharing that they were finally going home. We don't know what they were sharing <laughs> for. I've been there for those shows. It's a long time, uh, but. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying I think he will be a better heel. He gets a reaction. I don't know that he's ever going to recover from the promo and what happened with Ogogo. I think people need to see him just lose a bunch of times before they're ready to kind of like let it go. Yeah, I mean, Cody, according to him, he's, he's saying that he's never going to turn heel, which I don't think it's ever a good idea to just say something like that and put it out there. I, I have a hard time believing that. We'll see. But um, I will say this. I just thought that this storyline... I like the story that they told. They just told it too quickly. I love yeah. that they had everything the storyline needed in terms of Cody Rhodes getting back to where he needs to go, training with his Nightmare Factory, coming back as a new guy and then hitting a new finisher uh, to beat the monster Malachi Black. But this should have been told over the course of a year. If you could stretch out the split yeah. between MJF and Wardlow over a year, you build Malachi Black up as a monster who's unbeatable for that time. And then all the while, Cody is building his way back up, beating other people other than Malachi Black to try to get to that moment. And then maybe sometime next year where Cody can get this big win. But I thought they just rushed through. I thought it was a great story. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm also just, I don't want to say I'm concerned. It's too soon to say that. But it's like, are you losing all of these, like, darkness and mystery around Malachi Black because now you're having a lining with Andrade. I'm not mad at that, but I, I, Malachi Black doesn't look like the kind of person that would align with anyone. So yeah. now after him aligning with Andrade and now losing, you start you have to start questioning in the back of your head, are we losing all the mystery around Andrade? Now he's just, go I mean, I'm sorry, Malachi, now he's just going to be part of the roster. I hope not because he's a star. His entrance, his look, the way that he wrestles, he's a star. You can recover from one loss, he can, but don't do too much to where you lose all of this darkness and mystery around him and yeah. just you know go right back to what he was doing. Yeah, I totally agree with you on him teaming. I even felt weird about it last yeah. night when they started working together. It's just such a regular heel thing to do. And he's on this different level where he's presented as something different from everybody on the show. He's the Undertaker in terms of what AEW is showcasing him as. And, you know, you never saw the Undertaker run around and team with goons or anything like that. He's just a loner. And I think he's better by himself. Agreed. Also, there was one point at the in this match when Andrade and Pac came out and you had three former NXT champions involved in the main event of AEW Dynamite. Is that not mind-blowing to you? Wow, yeah, that's incredible. Man, I know. And, and you have Pac, Andrade, oh, and Malachi, all former NXT champions now involved in the AEW main event, which just, you know, because we talk about missing that old-school NXT. It's like we, we miss it because it's not even here anymore. <laughs> yeah. And let's not forget about Stardust. You know, Stardust is there too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's crazy. I didn't think about because I just thought about them as former WWE guys. But specifically, you're right. Three former NXT champions all in this main event and, you know, all pretty hot characters. I think Andrade's finally starting to come around. Uh, I think of obviously Malachi Black is one of the hottest guys they have. And Pac, I mean, he's great whenever he's in the ring. He's just really emerged as one of the best in the world in terms of wrestling. Agreed. Agreed. It was just odd. I know we talk a lot about what are they going to do with NXT 2.0. It still feels so new. And, you know, it just makes you wonder, would it ever go back to those days of NXT? I was a fan of NXT even before the Andrade and the Malachi days. I'm talking like the Finn Balor, Samoa oh, Joe, yeah. Kevin Owens days pack. Those were amazing NXT times as well. Now yeah. we don't even have any takeover schedule. Yeah, they're just television specials. It's a whole new world, NXT 2.0, which, uh, quick reminder before we get out of here, NXT 2.0, this Tuesday, we will be in costume as our favorite NXT characters, so check that out with me, Issa, and Glenn. You can follow me at This Is Nasty, YouTube Pro Wrestling Bits. Issa, where can the people find you? NYC Demon Diva with a one instead of an I on Twitter, and also NYC Demon Diva on YouTube. Subscribe to my channel. Well, good night, ladies and gentlemen. Next time you see us, we'll be in costume. Good night, Tony D'Angelo. Good night, Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Love you, Tony.